Welcome to the Black Belter Podcast. This is episode 67. This week's guest is Bellator heavyweight Ryan Spillane. Ryan's sporting background is in rugby, but since trying MMA as a teenager, has been training under Liam O'Griffin at SPG Cork ever since. Ryan had a rocky start to his amateur career. However, plenty of success came in the final few years, winning an IMAF world title, a European title and an Oceania title. Ryan is scheduled to make his pro debut in July, and given his extensive experience in the amateurs, he's well positioned to achieve big things in the pro game. Today I chat to Ryan about the ups and downs of his amateur career, his current training during COVID-19, his upcoming pro debut, and more. So as always, if you enjoy the podcast, make sure to rate, review, and follow, and let's get into it. So what's up, Brian? How are you? Thanks, Millie, for coming on. Very, 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 uh, very thankful to be on the podcast. Thank you very much. Cheers, cheers. Um, so, as you said, you were training already this morning. Um, how have you found training during lockdown? What's it been like? Um, I've actually, I, I love, like, so um, during lockdown number one for us, uh, I kind of, I got really into strength and conditioning because I obviously knew, you know, gyms were closed, so I had to, like, I had to focus on something else. And normally when you're training for a fight, you're, it's all skill development. It's all more just like literally just getting your, your game plan in and just banging out the rounds and getting that. You don't really have that much time for conditioning. It's more kind of just maintaining what you have. Like I didn't really have anything. So I used, I used lockdown fully to build up a nice, real good base of training condition. So now I'm hitting into fight camp now and it's just, it's just really maintain. It's kind of a bit of explosive work here and there, you know, activating those fibers and stuff. But like my strength has been built up already. And that's just, that's thanks to, I brought on a new education coach, um, Greg with Bua Health and Fitness, and he's just brought me on massively. And I really enjoy training on my own, like even if I'm doing conditioning or like, it's nice to have someone there lifting with you or whatever, like, but if I'm on my own, I, I find it way better, you know, like I could be singing and dancing on my own and stuff down my, down the home garage and all that. Obviously when it comes to MMA training, it's, it's a lot different. Um, so there's uh, myself and Pally Han, we're both preparing for pro fight. And then we have four of the lads who are also fighting next week on the cage legacy card. So you have Dylan Donovan, um, you have Sean McCarthy and Chris McCarthy, the two Crowley twins. Uh, that's it. So we actually just four of them. Um, so they're all training away. And it's just, it, it's tough because I'm the big guy and the twins will be the closest to me. And they're, they're fighting at 88 kilos. So it's for 120 to 88 kilos is a big difference. Like, so it's tough in that sense, Joe. You know, um, but look, you have to you have to adapt to everything like and i feel like if, if you didn't adapt to this well then you know anything a fight can throw you will be kind of tough then yeah i suppose that is the challenge with like like that with um with the strength and conditioning and being like especially in mma because like you said guys are getting fights at short notice all the time so like you where you are it's very hard to program you know like if you are like mm. you don't have a season essentially like if you are playing rugby or soccer or whatever like you know well this first day of the season here is the last day is here and in between you can pro like you can program the, the year whereas mma fights it's like oh there's a fight there could be next week you know when fight island was running yes. it's like coming over in a couple of days or it could be two weeks so like trying to program around that can be it can be hard so like the fact you've had the time to that that span of time with no competition to really build foundation and build that strength i suppose uh it's been something you would don't usually get in MMA. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah, but yeah, I was. But even I was watching your. I was. I went back and was watching some of your fights, and even then, what seen has got like you. You can see like you. You. You look physically different. Like you look bigger. Like you look like a grown or heavyweight. Like uh, when the lads, um, Paul D was saying, I went from looking like um, Lou Frigno Hulk to looking like Bruce Banner or um, looking like Mark Ruffalo Hulk. So my nickname <laughs> is the Hulk. So I went from yeah. looking like. The fellow with green paint to the big CGI Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and where did the name Hulk come from? Is it just your size? Where, like, did it come from MMA? Did it come from school? Like, where did it come from? I, I actually, I could not tell you. I, I know. So there, when I first started uh, martial arts, um, I was like 16, 17. I was 16. And it was a kind of a group of us. There was like four or five young, uh, like we're all young fellas. Like, and we were training with Liam. He kind of just like throw a nickname out there and it would just stick. And that'd be kind of it, like, and it was because, like, the rest of them were, like, 60, 70 kilos, and I was just massive next to all of them, like, I, mean, I was bigger than most the adults back then as well, like, so, like, Hulk just kind of stick, like, and I'm happy because there were some, there were some awful nicknames thrown in there, like, so I'm happy yeah. to have got a good one that I can actually work off, like, and, and then, kind of, as my career kind of developed, the nickname Hulk kind of pushed out more, because, like, I'm, 
I'm very friendly and I'm a nice guy and people don't really think that I'm a fighter. You know, if you look at the size of me, you're like, ah, he definitely does something physical. Like, but you're kind of, if you know me, I'm, I'm very nice and I'm, you know, I'm very approachable and all that. Like, but then when I go into the fight, I'm a completely different person. I'm, I'm the alter ego. So like Norma Ryan is Bruce Banner. And then when I fight, then it's Hulk. Like, cause I completely just switch uh, an alter ego. Like, and I, and I kind of like that for like a mental point of view as well. That I, I switch um, alter ego. So Ryan isn't fighting, Hulk is fighting. So, I like in that sense too, but it just kind of came, came around that I was the big fucker in the gym and Liam was like, oh, look, you're Hulk. And yeah. that was kind of it. And it fits. fits. It's like that you mentioned this, so how you start, like, so when you joined, so how, how did you start then? Was there a particular reason how you got into MMA or what, what, what's the kind of the um, story? So I was playing rugby at kind of a high enough level and rugby kind of finishes around um, kind of May, June. And you do nothing then until September. Like you know, pre-season training kind of kicks in maybe, maybe around August. I do really not, and that kind of stage, I was getting kind of at a, a point where I needed to kind of do something. And a buddy of mine, Emmett, was doing kickboxing down in, it was then called K2C. And he was doing kickboxing in there. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to try. And I came in first day and I had, there was a, a Muay Thai class going on. So they were all screaming there, way, way. And then there was a, there was a jiu-jitsu class going on. So they were all in there, big geese. And I was like, what the fuck have I got myself into? And I did the first MMA class and it was um, it was double legs. So coming for rugby, double legs is kind of like the norm. Like that's, that's what we're born to do. Like, yeah. And uh, I, I, dumb, I dumb tackled uh, my coach Liam underneath a shutter and he got his head caught in like top of the shutter and cut his whole head up here. So at that point, I kind of was like, I have to stay and keep training. Now. Like, and then it just, I became in love with it. And between, I was kind of doing rugby and MMA, I was kind of flowing between the two of them. And then at one point, then I was like, no, I, I don't. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to play rugby anymore. I've lost the love for it, and I pushed MMA. I think at that point, then I had my first amateur fight. I think it was like three months after I had my first amateur fight, and since then, then I've just been fighting. Uh, I had a few kickboxing fights back then. I fought IKF kickboxing, but I kind of like didn't really like that. It was kind of I was always trained for MMA, and it was just I never could find anyone because I was a sixteen-year-old who was one hundred and twenty kgs, and I couldn't fight adults then as well. Like so, it was kind of hard for me to find fights, but. Uh, then when I turned eighteen, and then I could, I could, I flaked the way of fights in. Yeah. And do, you, do you feel rugby was a, oh, was a good way to set, a good sport to come from, to get into oh, MMA, especially from the wrestling side. Like I know. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, John uh, John Cavanaugh says that um, that rugby he counts rugby as a martial art. So he always says if you have a rugby player like they they already have a martial art because rugby it, it kind of it builds kind of a tough kind of characteristic like because you're you're like with fights. Um, like especially in male, like I, I could probably get four pro fights in a year, and that's really optimistic. You know, normally you can maybe get two fights, you get three fights, you might get only one fight. You know, but Robbie, you're playing a game every single weekend, so you're building up that tough kind of like that tough just kind of mentality. And then just with the rugby, it was with the where I, I was playing as a forward, so it was that tackling and so that like I would say it helps my wrestling. But then I got taken down in most of my fights, so my wrestling is shite. So that's something I'm actually working on right now. But uh, I would say it kind of it just built more of character than anything. Yeah. Didn't really help me wrestling at all. Yeah, like I've, I've had um, obviously I've had Will Fl- Will Florian, and he comes from a, a rugby background as well, and he kind of said that yeah, they, 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 you're definitely it gets you used to getting hit because you don't really have yeah. a cho- you don't have a choice in rugby about getting hit. You know, it's like it's gonna happen. You have much more of a control about whether you get hit in in MMA. Yeah, <laughs> kind of in rugby, like if you if you're for kind of the fellow who's gonna stands back, the team are gonna give out you because it's a team sport. Like, and if you're not pulling your weight, you're gonna get fucked out of it. Like, and especially in rugby, there's kind of that like you're you'll get you'll get fucked out. Like, um, yeah, Will can definitely rugby, uh, rugby tackle because he's fucking taking me down loads of the cunt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So his his uh, his skills have definitely crossed over. We um, I actually I just kicked back a memory. We were sparring up in Dublin, and uh, in the cage up in Dublin. It's perched so it's up high, but on one side of the wall, it's 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 a bit too close to the to the wall. But like no one else would move the cage that well. Like it was only when we were moving, and he bounced me off the cage, and my head cracked off it. And then he took me down and everything, and then kind of keep fighting. Then like, but uh, yeah, Will is definitely an unbelievable wrestler, and he was definitely a uh, he definitely took me down loads to cunt. Yeah. So do you, did you feel like wrestling was kind of something that you kind of took the first like? As opposed to maybe the striking, but do you feel like that there was the wrestling that, or jiu-jitsu that you oh, maybe took the first? Absolutely not. I um, no. it was it was strike it was striking that kind of uh, that I was I fell in love with straight away. Um, the wrestling always kind of we didn't we didn't back then we didn't really have like um, a proper wrestling coach. It was kind of it was just we had like Liam 
Liam is um oh, I forget what Danny is in Crady, but Liam would be a more of a striker than anything. And we had yeah. back then we had a good Muay Thai coach and we had a good boxing coach. And my dad would be a boxer anyway, like so I kind of had I had that kind of let's say genetics of like boxing was kind of in me, like so I kind of always it was striking that kind of really I I fell in love with straight away. And then from striking, then it was kind of jiu-jitsu. I fell in love with jiu-jitsu and it was always jiu-jitsu then. Like, and it kind of showed in most of my fights that like I was either knocking fellas out or it was either getting taken down and then I was submitting them. It was kind of that in between. I never really I never really engaged the takedown. I, I think I have maybe one takedown in my in my all my MMA fights in my amateur career. But uh so that kind of kind of rang bells in my head, like so wrestling has kind of been a big thing for me, especially because of the way MMA is curving right now, it's curving way towards, it's curving towards all the Russians. If you look at any UFC card, if you, if you, if you look at the IMAF tournaments, all the world champions are Russians right now. Um, if you look at any, any of the UFC cards, they always have, you can you always see a Russian name just kind of scattered out there. like, And that's the kind of curve of MMA now is going towards more, more wrestling. So you have to kind of develop that kind of either anti-wrestling or you got to push them and wrestle them like the kind of old days of like kind of jitsu and striking kind of, are kind of pushing back and it's, it's wrestling that's kind of getting to the forefront of the MMA world right now. Like so I kind of had to like to really push that the last uh, the last year and year and a bit really. Yeah. Yeah it's mad how it swings around like because for so long then like it was the it was the uh obviously the Brazilians like you said jiu jitsu and good striking and now it's swinging around the Russians with the wrestling and being able to add in the striking. And yeah definitely when you look at a card if there's a if there's a Russian guy that you haven't heard of like you're kind of still essentially like if you're to pick the the winner you're kind of going Oh, he's Russian, like you know, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. it's like you're kind of feeling like he's probably not going to be bad. You know what I mean? It's like he's probably going to be tough, like and get stuck in. Yeah, and uh, it's it's Russians and as Kalixanis, because uh, from the IMAF tournaments when you go out there, um, it's like it's all them because um, in Russia and Kazakhstan and somewhere else as well, uh, MMA is fully funded as an amateur sport, so they have like training centers. They have they train together as a team. Well, we go over as when I when I fought my math tournaments, we went over and we were just kind of like scattered clubs came together and just fought as Team Ireland. We weren't we never actually trained together. Now Ireland or um, Ironman are starting to push squad training sessions and all that. Like, but like it's hard. It's not funded. But then we fight when you fight countries that have fully funded and when they have like in Russia they fight like you fight in your city first, your town, then you fight in your city, then in your province, then your state, and like you have a champion who's like one like seven of his tournaments and he is the best the best like and then yeah. like it's just the, the russians are crazy and and russians and Kazakhstanis, they're just they're crazy right now that's where that's where mma is kind of moving towards now is them like so yeah you have to put them out cold quickly or you have to fight off those takedowns for the fucking five rounds yeah yeah that's a challenge a lot of other sports especially martial arts because like coming from taekwondo background like we wouldn't have fun then either and now like I don't think there's any countries who would be like professional, like fully funded to train or anything, but they'd have trips paid for like their maybe early off flights, accommodation, entry fee, mm. their tracksuits, all that sort of stuff. Whereas we don't like, and sometimes that's the the thing that stops putting a good team forward is because like that, it's like, well, you have to budget. And then if you're, you have college stuff and you're working and the time is, whereas if they know, well, it's not costing them anything to be there. It's like, it's much easier to get there then, you know? And it's kind of a stress off, off, off your kind of head then as well, that you know that like, I can take a few weeks off work because of this, like, and if you go into tournament and you get injured, then you're like, oh, I'm out of my job or whatever. Like, so you're kind of, you're holding back, especially, you know, high level, with high level martial arts, like, especially like, no, like get a kick in the face there. That could, that could put you out of work for a while, like, or, you know, a broken leg or something like that. Like, that can fuck you yeah. up. Like, and if, if, yeah. it's, if it's your job, even as an amateur, that takes the stress off it as well. Like it's, 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 un, it's unfair, it's unfair um, playing field, but, Fuck it, life's unfair, so you have to push as well, like, and yeah. that's it. Yeah. And then, so how long? How long were you training before you went to your first IMAFs? That was in about 2015. Twenty fifteen. So yeah. I was training. I think I started training in twenty twelve. Um, and it was that, like the training back then, like, was kind of like we watched a YouTube video. And we kind of do the move. We've had like scatter of coaches. We have had we we, we, had, a, we had a Russian coach for a while. We had a few Brazilian coaches for a while. And we weren't kind of connected with um with SPG at that point and then 2015 came around and I went over to uh, Birmingham for the first ever European IMF tournament and at that point then we kind of had connected with SPG and we were kind of we became an affiliate then but we were only fresh enough like so we sort of hadn't had the the resources that SPG have given us now 
and I fought um, with my second ever MMA fight. So my first MMA fight, I went three rounds and I lost by TKO. Uh, he got me in, in, in like kind of a half competition and he punched me a few times and the ref called it. I personally thought the fight should have been called. Um, but look, that shit happens. Um, went up there then, first MMA fight, uh, it will, uh, Liam will always remember it because uh, so it was the first ever kind of time that um, John Cavanagh could see Liam like kind of like work, you know, because he was cornering me. And I went in and I fought an English fella, uh, Jack Ing- Jack something, I think his name was. I forgot his name was. But I fought him, and for the whole fight, I was winning. So the first two rounds, I won. Like, it was, like, I, I outstruck him. Then I put him against Cage, and I held him, and I was just peppering him with shots. And, like, on the scorecards, it was two 10-8 rounds. And then at the end of the second round, I just had, like, uh, I don't know what it was, but I, 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 I fell to the floor and pulled him on top of me. To get a leg lock and like because I was kind of training leg locks in and I was like, I'll fancy myself leg lock, but I literally went from the most dominant position to him on top of me, hit me in the face. And I, I ended up getting the leg lock. And um Liam always says that he was in the corner and he looked at John Cavan and he goes, I'm really sorry. I never taught him that because he was that scared. Cause I just <laughs> I, I I I pretty much like went from like being like winning to like almost losing. And it, that could yeah. turn out bad, but I ended up I ended up leg locking and finished leg lock. And then I went to my second fight uh, for uh, for the bronze medal, and I ended up losing with Kamora. Um, and then from there, then I just kind of I kept fighting my math tournaments until 2018, when I won the Europeans, the Worlds, and then in 2020 I won the Oceanic. But uh, yeah, my math tournaments are incredible because like normally like when you fight MMA, it's kind of like you fight in shows and it's kind of like it's you know it's people are drunk, you know it's it's hard. You're, you're fighting the lights like now as a professional that's that's the reality of it like but as an amateur it should be it should be those it should be those um like especially with with, with uh, taekwondo and like cry tournaments and all them they're like in a sports hall and you're just you're fighting it's just you get an experience that's yeah. what it should be and that's why i love the amateur tournaments because it's you don't really get nervous because you're fighting like in front of like maybe a few hundred people but they're all kind of scattered like teams and all that like and you're you're fighting the best around the world like which is incredible especially for for like an amateur i've already fought i fought russians I fought Ukrainians, I fought Kazakhstanians, I fought all the countries. So now, as a pro, now I've all experienced, and I'm never going to be shocked by one of those one of those styles now. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, like uh, it's less pressure, I suppose. You haven't had to sell tickets, and you haven't had to get get your friends. And if you, even if it doesn't go your way, you haven't had your like sold your friends these tickets and then you come down you lose you haven't ruined their night like you know what i mean it's uh i've actually had i fought in i was meant to fight in cork it was a cage legacy card and um i had sold i think i had sold nearly like four tickets i had sold a big amount of tickets like i was fighting for a title and um the fight got pulled on the night like it was completely out of my control like i couldn't do any of it but then i was on the phone being like uh yeah fights uh fights off if you don't want to come i can give you a refund if you want and with the refund like nearly uh, two, uh, 30 tickets like <laughs> 10 of them came i think but uh yeah it's it's t- selling t- selling tickets is very hard and especially now I- i've seen i've seen pa now because pa has done his full fight camp now and he's had to sell his tickets and i now have my fight camp and i've sell my tickets it's not really a thing you do like i've most of my fights were um, on the IMF scene. I had a few fights scattered around the place that were on like the English and Irish scene, but I never had to like when I was fighting over in England. You never get to sell tickets because I was always a foreign fighter going over there. Like, yeah. but um, it's definitely a, it's definitely a hassle selling tickets. But uh, yeah, it's something you have to kind of get used to. So I have a I have the pay per view link now from my fight, so I have to push that out now and kind of get all the friends to buy it and just kind of like push them and all that. Like it's. It's tough. You're pretty much begging people to pay for the fight, like and all that, like to help you, like. But it's part of the game, it's and it's tough. It, yeah, it's part of it. Yeah, yeah, And like your, I think like your amateur career kind of went nearly two halves, and my career, like it kind of had the first maybe three years where there was maybe more losses than wins, but then it kind of flipped and turned around towards the end, where a lot more wins, and I was said won a couple of IMAF tournaments, and that was there like a maybe a, a light bulb moment, or was there a switch to where things just managed to turn around yeah so um the, so the whole so whole my whole my whole star manager career, so most of those losses i was fighting guys who were way less experienced than me like so i had like i had at that point i was a blue belt in jiu-jitsu and i was i was winning tournaments all over the place i actually i fought a tournament and I actually beat a black belt and i beat like purple belts and brown belts like i was very skilled at jiu-jitsu and i was winning tournaments and th- like that skill could never transfer over i was getting i was getting submitted by guys who shouldn't have been submitting me and I was getting outstruck by guys who shouldn't beat me. Like I was, I had like countless IKF tournaments where I fought kickboxing and 
know, I've, I'm, I was really good at that and I was getting beaten by guys who were just, just fat big guys that were just out kind of powering me and it, it, it shouldn't have been there um, and I lost one fight and it kind of it, it fucked my head a lot like so I decided to just go fuck it and I moved over to Australia my sister was living over there so I was like fuck it I'm gonna move out there and move it to Perth and uh, I was kind of I was back and forth with Liam my coach and he was kind of saying no at this point now I was done with MMA I wasn't I was I kind of was training it uh, I found a gym in Perth and I was kind of training it but I wasn't really training it um, and Liam uh, had a seminar with Dave Mullins he's a sports psychologist he's worked with most SBG fighters so he's worked with like the big names like Cottle Pendrill and Connor even and a few other big big names um, and he did a seminar with him and the seminar kind of just like sparked something in me and it was just kind of little things like controllables and, un- and uncontrollables and just like you know simple simple things that like make sense when you hear them but then like when you kind of put them to work you're like fuck this makes so much more sense um, and then I took a fight in Australia on it was a day's notice um, I actually quit my job and everything because of it so I, I finished work on the Friday and I was meant to come into work Saturday and um, uh, the coach rang me and he was like I'll fight here if you want to take it you know it's, it's an inner club it's not really that big like and I goes fuck it I'll take it so then I rang my boss and I was like yeah no I'm leaving and he goes, what? He goes, yeah, and no, I'm fighting tomorrow. I, it's just, I'm doing it. Had the fight. Um, I won by standing guillotine, but it was like, I completely outstruck him. Like I was just, I was in my head. That was the Ryan that I'd been trained the whole time. That was the Ryan in the gym. I actually broke my hand. So I, I, I shattered my metacarpal and I had to get surgery. So then with that, then I had to come home because I had no job and no money saved. And I kind of was like, fuck it, I have to come home. So I came home and I was like, fuck it. I'm ready to go now John. I have that spark in me again and I'm ready to fight and I went to an IMAF tournament and I did I did my best I've ever fought in an IMAF tournament won a bronze medal I just got caught with a simple little submission it was kind of like thinking that it wasn't my fault it was just he caught me and then from there then in 2018 then I won the, the uh, Europeans in um, Romania and then the Worlds in Bahrain and it was just kind of like that was the Ryan that Liam has been watching the whole time in the gym like and Liam knew then and then from there it was kind of like fighting has now become easy where the whole time it was really hard it was kind of like I was going in there I was always nervous like I always kind of switched off and it was kind of like I can't remember but now when I'm in there I I kind of describe it as the flow so like I'm mentally kind of on and I'm kind of like I I can I can feel the fight you know it's 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 an incredible feeling coming from where fights were so you know stressful for me and it was so it was so frustrating to now where I I just I just love fighting and having the year off fighting has just been it's just been really shitty because I, I really want to punch someone so i'm very happy i have a fight and i can punch someone again so yeah. i'm really looking forward to it now i'd imagine so yeah it's it's interesting that like like with the, like when you work with a sports psychologist or you, like you, you if you do like, like that a seminar with them, like a lot of the times it's nothing groundbreaking like it's probably stuff you might have heard before but it just kind of gets you thinking and can sometimes just flick a switch even like you said very simple stuff but you just need to be told that sometimes or hear it from the right person or it's it's it's, it's yeah. just strange at times like yeah it's um yeah and so then like at the at the europeans you had was it, it was two fights as well but it was, like across that span am i right in saying you got mostly stoppages like from the europeans into the worlds it was nearly all stoppage wins as well was that right uh yeah so most of those fights uh, ended the first round i think the only fight there was i fought um bartak Bar- bartos i can't pronounce the second name he's from poland <laughs> uh i fought him in my quarter final fight a semi-final fight in the worlds and that fight went three rounds but then i fought him a, a few months later in dubai and i beat him in a round so i kind of like he was the kind of only fight that i couldn't finish in the first round finishing the third then i went off and finished in the first round so i kind of redone my mistake there but all those fights were first round stoppages either by either by a submission or a shot or by a kind of tko uh, and that's kind of that's kind of how i fight it's either i'm either going to put you a goal or i'm going to submit you you know that's kind of that was yeah. kind of how I trained, and that was my that was my skill set. And then I kind of it showed in all those fights that I can eat, that I can push you out with a submission. And I, I finished some of those fights with like kind of submissions that are unheard of. Like I finished my um, my quarter or my semi-final fight in Romania with uh, Oma Plata, and that's like unheard of in MMA. Like I think I think it's only been done like six, seven times, and like rarely done a heavyweight. So I pull off one of those. I pull off a toe hold, which is kind of not really seen that much. Um, and I pulled off a heelock in Dubai as well. That's kind of that's kind of not really a common submission. But these submissions that I love because I, I just I do them all the time in the gym, like and 
it's kind of something yeah. I, I it was it was it was very hard the whole time I was fighting before that I, I couldn't do the stuff so then having all those fights then where I could finish the submissions and I was showing my actual skill set was was amazing as well yeah how did you find fighting three days in a row you had getting the win and the, the elation of getting a win and then say oh we'll have to do it all again tomorrow like how, how did you find dealing with that it's uh it's not fun at all yeah um it's it's so it's so tough because like the whole time in MMA when you win a fight it's like yeah you've won a fight you celebrate you know and then it's this like the whole the whole tournament style of it it's it's very tough in the head i i, I find it's it's extremely tough in the head i know probably with you know you're probably used to those tournament tournaments and kind of change the mindset after fights but for me you win a fight and it's like yeah i want to fight and then you just have to go you go, you go back to the you go back to the fucking your room afterwards you're like fuck gotta fight again tomorrow and then especially with like how i fight i ended up hurting myself a lot so I remember in Bahrain, in the in the semi-final fight against Bartos, I threw a leg kick and I was a bit out of range. So my toe, my kind of, it was my, my foot caught it to my shin yeah. and it caught right in his knee and I couldn't feel my leg at all. And I, you could see the fight actually drop back on my leg and I kind of bounced on it to feel. I was like, oh, fuck, this is, this is not good at all. And then I threw no more kicks in the whole fight. I, I was kicking him the whole time. I was kind of blitzing forward and doing kind of a left high kick to the, either to the head or to the body. And I was doing that the whole time and I was having so much success with it. And then I'd do this kick and I'm like, I can't listen anymore now because the kick's gone. And uh, then, so then I finished that fight. So I was on the Thursday. And then you get a day off on the Friday and then the finals on a Saturday. And I could not feel my leg on, on Friday. And I spent the whole day, like I remember everyone off and they were actually went around Bahrain to like visit the sites and stuff because you had a day off. I spent the whole day in the hotel room icing my foot and just trying to get it to you know, to somewhat of me being able to walk on it. Like it was like a balloon look. And uh, I got up Friday, I got up Saturday morning and I did the did do a pre-fight medical and I was just like holding in all the tears, just trying to do like if you do like a squat just to show you you're 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 okay. Like and I was doing a squat and I was just like I'm crying on the inside here. I have to do it. And then I ended up then then my, my opponent pulled out and I won. And that was kind of like a bit a bit of a relief that I didn't have to fight, but like I was going to go into that fight with the, with the leg, with the ankle, fuck, like, yeah, and like carrying inju- injuries over fights, it's, it's it's tough. It's not it's not fun at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd always said like because with, with a taekwondo kind of setup, is all your fights are on the same day. Usually, maybe you know if you're at a European Championships, you might have to fight the final the next day or semi final the next day, but usually you have all your fights on the same day. So that's like if you're to do like a like if we ever do a fight or something, and it's like you're only going to have the one fight. It's like oh, there's only one fight. And it's like that's great you know it, it seems like it's not win right okay who's the, who's next then you have to go and get warmed up or like keep yourself focused it's just one fight that's it great you know it's it's way different yeah. to just having the one fight to having to go again but uh yeah it's funny that even though you mentioned like having to do like 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 you're there in bahrain and everybody's out seeing the sites like the amount of times you want country i've been and people think here you hear you go to these countries and they're like oh geez like you must have seen some great places and you're like nah <laughs> Haven't seen anywhere. Seen the hotel, you've, seen, you've seen the hotel room and the venue. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's it. it. That's it, yeah. Yeah. You spend I, I'm, any, I'm, like, kind of, I'm kind of lucky that kind of like with some of the tournaments that like I have been able to see the sites and like um, but most time you just see the hotel room and that's okay. Like it's not really a holiday. You treat it at work, you know. Yeah. When you go over, like if, you're, if, you're, if your job is to go like visit around the world, it's a job and you don't get to see the sites, that's your job, you know. And I kind of find it's my job. You know, it's nice to have some extra time. You know, if you land maybe a day before, you you stay a day after. You can see the sights and I have done some incredible things in countries and all that, like after fights and all that. Like, but some countries have clearly just been in the hotel room. That's it. Like, like, and that's and that's okay. It's that's part of sport and that's that's the job. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, yeah, because we we were lucky enough. I suppose we went to like 2011. We went to the worlds in New Zealand, but because we had to get there, um because of it like to acclimatize and yeah. stuff we went a week we went we were there for two weeks we were there a week early so it was kind of grand because like you said it wasn't a holiday but like the tournament was still a while away so we were doing training a couple of times a day but like you still got to kind of go around and see a bit of what see a bit of wellington anyway in new zealand so yeah that yeah. was kind of uh that one was cool yeah to be there and have that extra bit of time yeah no it, it was just um the oceanic tournament this year was meant to be in new zealand and I was kind of I was kind of pushing to see kind of go as a coach or whatever and then obviously COVID kind of fucked everything up. But um yeah, I New Zealand was de- would definitely be on the list. I was I was in the Gold Coast for my last fight in the Oceanic and it was just the fact that I had flown thirty hours and the flight flight was thirty seconds long and I had to fly back another thirty hours and I got to see absolutely zero of the Gold Coast and it was uh-huh. just 
it was disheartening because it it was just it was a beautiful it was like we went to the beach uh, one day like and I was like this country it's beautiful like in the Gold Coast like cause when I spent time in Perth I lived in not really a a grey part town like so I, I didn't really get to see the, the best side of Perth or the best side of Australia so to go over to the Gold Coast and it was like I was like fuck it I spent I spent I actually spent I spent one day out in the sun and I got absolutely scalded my like it, my back was red and like I think I took off my top for like solid five minutes and then Liam got took off his top for a solid five minutes and he was scalded as well and I remember I went to that fight with like my whole back just red and I was just like I have to fight it's no fucking fault I got sucking I got sunburned like I'm cocky enough to, go, yeah. to, to go around with sunscreen like but yeah that was definitely not a fun thing but yeah not seeing countries is tough but fuck you gotta do it yeah it's part of it so then what kind of um what prompted you then to turn pro? Was it just you felt like you'd everything done at amateur and it was time? Yeah, so one in my head, once I won the, the Worlds, I was kind of, yeah, I was kind of like, fuck it, pro is ready. And at that point, I had loads of I had loads of promotions kind of reaching out to me and asking, you know, when's, when's the debut? You know, when you turn pro? Would you like to turn pro with us and all that like? And we were kind of looking at all offers and all that. And um, John kind of came around. John was like, you got taken down in two of your fights. You still won but you didn't really win. He was like, you need to, you need to kind of, I need to see more out of you. Like, so decided then to have the fight in Dubai. And that was kind of like semi-pro. It was kind of like, um, we got a, a prize money as a team. So the whole of Team Ireland won. So we got kind of like a prize money for that. Like, and then my, my rules set then were my rules set was a bit different. It was kind of like halfway between pro and amateur. There was no elbows, but I could knee to the face. Um, and then I could also do heel hooks, which are kind of like the staple of pro. Um, and I won that. But I kind of won that in the same kind of thing. He kind of, he hit me with a hook and I kind of, I was on the way out. So it kind of hit me and I kind of fell backwards. It's kind of, it didn't really hurt, but I fell. And then I submitted him then after that. Like, so again, it was like, I, I get up putting on my ass and then I end up submitting you. So John was still kind of like, you still haven't showed me that your hands are up and, you know, your wrestling is there. So then I decided to do the, uh, I was meant to fight in the Europeans in Rome in 2019. And I ended up tearing my LCL. So I was at that tournament. So then we pushed forward for um, Bahrain again in the world. And I was going to defend my title in 2019. And just, it was a, not a great camp. I kind of, I got a bit too big in my own head. I was like, I'm the world champion, you know, fuck it, you know. All these guys are fighting me. And I was kind of, in my head, I was too big. And I took the absolute piss with my diet. I took the absolute piss with my strength condition. And then with training, then my training was kind of on and off. I was kind of half up in Dublin, half up in Cork. And it was kind of that whole feeling of doing my camp in two different places. It was kind of was training on me too, but it was my own fault. Like, And uh, Liam Liam says to the day he knew he knew the, mo- the whole moment I started walking out for the fight that I was going to lose. And I ended up getting put out cold in the first fight against a Russian. He ended up, uh, he ended up getting to the final and he, he lost the final. But uh, again, it was a fight then where I, I believed I could have won. But it was my own head, and I was kind of like I took the pace, and I was kind of I I got a bit too big in my head, I got a bit too big in my own head. Um, so then straight out of camp, then I got fucked out of it by Liam and my gym mama Marilyn, uh, and I took everything back and took on a new uh, dietitian. Is uh, named Johnny Holland. He's a former Munster rugby player, and he he works with all the top athletes. He works with Cork Con, and he works with Cork Gat. Absolute gentleman and. <laughs> The stuff he has to put up with me, like, because I'm not a, I'm not, a, I'm not a great person to deal with. I come up with random questions at like 2 a.m. and I have no problem sending you a voice note, being like, "So what's this do? What's that do?" Uh, so I took him on, and I took my strength and conditioning a bit more seriously, not to the point that I am right now, but more than it was before. And um, I had a few fights booked, and then ended up getting the opportunity to go over to Oceanics. And then after that, then I was like, "Yes, I'm ready for pro." pro. And then I had Bellator reach out to me and offer me a contract. So I was like, fuck it. I'm now signed with one of the top, top promotions in the world. So this is fucking class. And then COVID hit. And that was yeah. uh, not great. So um, at this point now, I, I wasn't able to fight with... I'm still signed to Bellator. I still have my, my fight to Bellator. But um, they're, they've kind of pulled back from Europe because they can't have a show in, in Europe feasibly because of all the costs and without fans and seats, they can do it in America because they have the, they have their casino in the weekend. And so I got a one fight release off them and I know I'm fighting on battle arena, which I've actually fought twice with them already. I, I held their European title. I had a seven second knockout with them. And um, so it kind of, 
makes sense for me to go back and fight with them. Um, and I'm fighting a guy called Roming, uh, Romic Sim. He's 2-0 and as a pro. So it's, it's, a, it's a big scalp for me to take. He's already an established enough pro. He has two fights in the pro ranks and I'm coming in his debut. So it's a big one. I kind of, I felt, especially after lockdown, that I'm, I'm ready for this. The the fighter I am now compared to the fighter I was in 2018 is is completely different. And that that, that Ryan was a world champion. So this Ryan is, is better than that. So I'm, my skill set right now is incredible. And I've, I've had, I have a great support team around me as well. Like, and so... I'm at the best place right now to fight. Yeah. And after that, like the World Championships in in 2019, obviously you said like maybe you got a bit ahead of yourself. Do you feel like that was a, a maybe a good time for that to happen as opposed to in the pro ranks and picking up a loss like at the, as a pro that maybe could have been uh, could have been avoided? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it happened, it happened best time. And like, I'm very thankful for my amateur career that I have. I have, I have loads of losses. But I've experienced everything. I've experienced bad refs. I've experienced that, you know, like, you know, stuff not going right. You know, I walked out to a fight once and I had to walk through um, a toilet and the toilet ended up getting flooded. So I had to walk through like shitty water. Yeah. I had to fight then, you know, I, I've had, I've done everything, you know, as my amateur career. And like a lot of amateurs these days, especially in MMA, like decide to turn pro after like three or four fights. And that's just, that's not enough to experience, you know, everything in MMA, you know, I, I still haven't experienced everything, but I experienced most of them. I experienced a lot that will keep me, you know, ticking over my pro career and like having, having 20 MMA fights and having all my IMAF experience, it will show my pro ranks. It will show my first 10 to 12 pro fights. I'm at another level already, like, because I've, I've already fought the toughest guys, in the toughest competition, but definitely me getting my head kicked off me in, um, in 2019 definitely happened the best time because it, I needed to have my ego brought back down. It was definitely brought back down then. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I definitely, I, 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 this is just my opinion from somebody on there. I think, I think, like I said, it with amateurs, that I think it would be better if a lot of people stayed amateur for longer. I think, especially, especially given some people's background. Like, if you have been, if you've been in martial arts since you were, I don't know, five or six, and you get to that and you switch, then maybe, like, maybe you're doing jujitsu or maybe you were doing taekwondo, you're doing kickboxing, and then you, you switch to MMA, maybe you don't need as long as I'm, as, as an amateur but like uh, if you're coming in maybe just like you were from rugby and other sports you're a little like you know you're in your teens i think take the time at amateur like don't rush like 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 they said build up like i I think you had maybe 19 amateur fights or something like that was it like i think build 20 up, uh, to, uh, oh, one sorry. of them i think on my topology i think they don't count two of them or something like that like, like, something okay. like that like, yeah. yeah so i think like you build up the time and like you said like like the record once you go pro like, the slate's wiped clean you're on oh again so mm would take the time as amateur and and get the experience absolutely it should be like it should be like with boxing like your boxers who have like 400 500 amateur fights and then they turn pro yeah like um i've i've had the pleasure to spare uh, mike perez he's a cuban professional boxer like and his like he he definitely doesn't like he definitely has like more than 400 500 boxing fights like and it shows now as a pro like he fucking kicks the living shit out of me but like so you know, he has so so much experience from an amateur from the amateur scene that his pro career, you know, he's seen all of it, you know. And like, it was a big like it was a big thing when I went over to Australia that like, MMA was so pulled back there that lads were turning pro after like two fights. They were getting two nice wins, maybe like a TKO and a submission, and then they turned pro. And kind of even back then, I was kind of like, that's way too much now. But now you're kind of seeing like, um, especially with kind of the new pros, you're like seeing like the likes of myself, like Kieran Clark, Danny Eden. We all have a, a, like really established pro rec- or amateur records, and like we have a multitude of fights, especially on the IMAF circuit, because it, it helps. It helps having three or four fights done in a week, because you can do that. Like if you have five IMAF tournaments, that's twenty fights. You know, that's twenty fights in a year. Yeah. You know, if you were to do that for three years, you're gonna have fucking thousands of fights. You know, like and like it's tough when you're on the Irish scene, especially here and and the UK as well, where like shows are far and few between like because they're they're expensive to run and joe you might not get a fight your opponent might pull out you know there's all that kind of stuff that happens especially in pro ranks but like then you're dealing with that as an amateur you really shouldn't be you should be going over to a fight knowing that you have a guaranteed four or five fights maybe one that pulls out but you still have your guaranteed set of fights like like the way the way karate, taekwondo, boxing all those martial arts do it now is the way MMA should do it like MMA is a bit kind of we're learning as we're going, like, but definitely the IMAF route is definitely like for any amateur 
to win a goal there, like, and then can you on? That's that. That's the way you should be fighting. You should be fighting IMAF tournaments for a few years, getting all that experience, and then turn pro. Like pro shouldn't be a rush, you know. Like it's a it's a rush because people want to make that money and become a star, but you can't become a star if you're shit, you know. Yeah, yeah. I suppose everybody wants to be the next, the next Conor McGregor. I suppose and rush to yeah. the money, but I think like I think you will start to see the way it is in boxing. Like like an Olympic gold medal in boxing like jumps you up the queue, you know what I mean, when you turn pro. And I think that will start to happen potentially with MMA. Like as guys, as the, the IMAFs and that continue to grow and get bigger, I think being an IMAF world or European champion will jump you up the queue in, in, in terms of getting a better deal starting off as a professional. So I think I, I think that's the way I'll eventually see. Like you see guys like L- yeah, Loma, Lomachenko like just came in like world title fight, second fight. And like Anthony Joshua obviously has doesn't have a lot of fights as a pro but the fact he had the, the gold medal has helped him jump up the queue and I think that'll start, start to come into MMA uh, definitely with IMAF like more, more promotions now are recognising IMAF as a you know, the top organisation as, as amateurs like I, obviously when I won the Worlds and I won the Europeans a lot of shows protected me because they, they at that point they kind of knew IMAF was the shit like but now you're kind of seeing guys like you know who are getting huge contracts straight off uh, an amateur career like you have them um, Mohamed Makhaev, who is he's fighting actually right now in, in Brave, but like he was 20 and all as an amateur, and like every organization was hunting for him, like because they knew how good he was, because it was a, a tested you know, field. You know, it was it was everyone knows he's fighting the best guys because you can only bring two athletes, you can bring two athletes for every division. So those those are the best guys coming from every division, and those are the best countries, you know. So like you're he's beating those guys, then you know you're a better contract. I know, I know I won't be I I know for myself that if I didn't win the Europeans, the Worlds and the Oceanics, I wouldn't be signed for Bellator. I know, I know for a fact that my, my map goals helped me get to that point and to sign for that kind of organisation as you know, a zero and zero was incredible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely like an IMAF goal is kind of the equivalent right now to an Olympic gold. Hopefully, it may get gets into the Olympics soon enough and then your Olympic gold can be your Olympic gold. But right now it is IMAF is the kind of the, the Olympic standard right now. Yeah. So I suppose you mentioned already, you're um you're the biggest guy in the gym. Uh, how how do you how do you find training with that? Like training with smaller training partners. How do you or do you struggle to find bigger guys or do you bring in bigger guys or just work with smaller guys? How how do you um, find training yeah, with like, the big like guys? For, it kind of it, it helps starting off because I never had to, I never kind of focused on strength. You know, a lot of big guys come into the gym and they're always just pushing like bench pressing guys off them and you know, using that strength. But because you know, of my job. You know, a nice guy i kind of had to start and just like use technique and try not like to dumb all my power down and kind of just technically beat these guys and that ended up with me getting choked out and getting submitted a lot so and getting beaten even by in striking because i wasn't putting full power in my leg kicks but i was getting hit because I, I wasn't putting my full power in but then that helped them because then when i spare bigger guys i'm using technique added with power you know I, i'm always adding the power to it like so it definitely helped starting off Right now, it's it's it's. I'm at a point now where I need to kind of spare big guys. Um, I'm lucky when COVID isn't around that I'm able to go up to Dublin and I have the likes of Will Flurry, I have Carol Moore, I have um, Johnny Walker, who's top yeah. ten UFC right now. He's an incredible sparring partner. Um, up there, I have Gustavo as well. There's some big guys up there. Uh, down here in Cork, it's kind of I have to do what I have. So recently enough, I, I mentioned already, um, I've been sparring with Mike Perez. He's an incredible boxer. He's a he's a cruiserweight uh, boxer. He's actually fighting um, very soon. I think he's got a fight in Germany. He's coming up. Um, I've sparred him a few times, and he's absolutely kicked the shit out of me. But that's what you need. I'm sparring someone who is a master of their craft, and I'm sparring them in their craft, and that has improved my boxing game incredibly. Like sparring, I'm getting my nose kicked left or right of me. Like, <laughs> but like it helps. Um, and then I'm lucky to have like my strength and coach is a big enough guy so I can I can move around with him and stuff and all that like and I had a few other guys uh, I had a guy um, Minty was his name he was uh, he's over in uh, America right now playing professional rugby so before he left I had him to play around with as well but normally it's just kind of like I get a big I get a big I get really excited when a new guy comes in the gym and they're big you know and then Liam mentions oh they've done this before then this before I'm like yes I got someone but uh, yeah, I'm kind of it's kind of building up a squad right now, like, and it's it's, it's hard, especially with COVID. But all my training, ha- I'll have to do on my own. Um, it's a lot of stuff with Liam on pads and even just jiu-jitsu is kind of like just kind of with smaller guys moving around. It's tough, but 
I've done it to this point uh, and I to keep going for that that kind of way as well. Yeah. I think all big guys have to have the same problem, you know. There, there, there's oh, not, definitely. There's not really like, like how, how tall are you actually? You're six. I'm so I'm I'm six five and a half. And a half means a lot to me. Like okay. I'm almost six six, so six ah. five and a half. Um, I'll round it up. I'm tall enough, like so. I'm kind of like <laughs> find guys who are kind of same height as me is it's very hard. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think all heavyweights have the same have the same challenge. Oh, um, definitely. So have you? Have you had to balance um, work with, with with training? Has that been something you've had to do? Balance college or work with, with, with your training? And if you have, how have you how have you found that? Uh, so definitely, definitely college. So I, I literally went straight from the leaving search right into fighting. So I've no kind of education behind me. Um, it's kind of all or nothing. Um, I started working as security. So I started working in a nightclub. Um, I worked in countless nightclubs here in Cork, um, and it was hard. Like when you finish at like you're finishing at like 4 a.m. and then you're starving and then you have all the all the like the, the all the kebab shops are open and then you're kind of holding yourself to like oh fuck it, I'll go home and I'll sleep and then I'll wake up and then you're waking up then on six hours sleep and it's kind of like it's not a great six hours sleep because you've you've slept through the day as well like kind of thing like and it's it was tough um obviously COVID has happened so I'm kind of out of work so it's it's helped and it's kind of shown me yeah. what a professional athlete trains like it's just nearly I wake up and it's just everything I do in the day is towards fighting. You know, it's no social life. It's it's tough as, as a twenty three year old when all my friends are you know, drinking and stuff and all that. Like, and I'm I'm out here, I'm out here grinding and get ready for my future. But I love it and I wouldn't change everything. Like, I, I woke up the I woke up the last few days. And I'm in agony and I woke up, but I'm smiling because I'm doing something I love. You know, I like I would not change this for a thing. Like, you know, it's tough and it's it's hard and you know, I'm I'm. I'm in pain and I'm Joe, it's tough mentally and all that, like, but I wouldn't change it, John. Like if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And I kind of have had that mindset. I didn't really kind of when I was working, it was kind of always work was always an extra thing. I was always training first and then the work came kind of um after, but I've never had to balance like a, a full nine to five job or anything like that, like. So I hadn't had that excuse really. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing where all athletes really like even though training's hard, like you love it like you know like that's what you love like getting up every day and trying and like that's like it's like i said it's it's tough but it's fun at the same time like yeah. maybe not in the session you know in the session you're like oh yeah. I don't like punched one, the face one the session's getting... over when the session's <laughs> yeah. over you go that was, that was a bit of crack you know it's that kind of thing well, not straight after straight after you're like you're, you're feeling your head ringing and you're like <laughs> you're sweating and maybe like half an hour afterwards you're like fuck that was nice <laughs> yeah yeah uh, did you see um have many people have you had to deal with many people looking to start to fight with you like when you're doing the when you've been doing the doors people, um, not, people yeah, maybe not knowing yeah. what you do <laughs> i've had countless stories i could i could i could do a whole other podcast of just uh, of bouncer stories um yeah i've had to i've had to judo show a few fellas to the floor or buy lock to the floor all that like and then they kind of realize you know ah, i'm gonna start the big fella and the big fella's on top and i'm hurting them and they're kind of like ah we fucked up like but uh, definitely, I, I, it was a very good story, actually. I was on the door from one of the nightclubs, and uh, I was just standing there, whatever, and the person I was standing with, um, they, were, they were smaller to me, like so I kind of always looked bigger, like. and I was just standing there, whatever, and I was checking IDs, and this, I denied this fella, he was, he was a bit too drunk, and he just started to give me loads of shit, like, and then he goes, I'm going to fucking fight you now. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, but yeah, grand, whatever. And someone had walked down the road and, like, saluted at me and goes, all oh, right, congrats on the last knockout in your fight. And your man's face just goes, fuck, what have I got myself into? And he kind of just like switches mentality straight away and then kind of walks off. Like, but he knew like that moment that he was fucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've had to, yeah, I definitely had to, I've never, I've never hit someone. I've, it's always been put into the floor, restraint and kind of stuff like, but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely handy knowing how to throw a to the floor or duck a, or duck a punch when you're working the doors because it's not a, it's not tough. It's not friendly at all out there in the in the mean streets. Yeah, the other worst night, like like the bit the big guy alone again, like with the drunk smaller guys, you know that's enough. But then when you have the big guy then who can actually knows what he's doing as well, like that thrown in as well, like that's a different ball game then. Yeah, you know, I've like, had to restrain a few big guys too as well. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's always it's always a tiny. It's always that five foot four fella who's always giving you shit. It's never, you, the big fellas are always the nicest and like, once you get past six foot, they're always nice. It's always that little five, four, five, five, five foot four fella who's always giving me shit. It's always little fellas, the small dog syndrome. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 
I'm not the biggest, so uh, well, I, I, know, <laughs> I, I, I tend to keep myself to myself, you know. <laughs> uh, so in terms of like, uh, I suppose maybe outside of COVID, now you get an ideal, an, an ideal uh, training camp. What, what would a training schedule look like in terms of how many MMA sessions, the strength and conditioning sessions, would you would you do usually? Um, I've kind of I've kind of kind of created a nice little routine now for myself, like so. Um, I normally it's, it's not it's one m it's one kind of um martial arts session a day, and normally um at the night, so normally kind of later on, um, and then I'd kind of some so it's kind of it's three sessions a day, kind of it's kind of the the, the style I like. Um, I kind of do some sort of strength conditioning every day, um, whether that be either strength or conditioning. So either if it's going for a run, if it's doing a conditioning session on the road or like, um, or then a strength session where it's just you know, a lifting session where it's a pull or push session. And then uh, spread out that then like in the morning. So the morning we kind of break up into that, and then kind of like maybe a, a pad session, you know, kind of just working on technical skills. Not really kind of like balls to the wall kind of sweating, you know. It's kind of the later classes are always always going to be tough, like an MMA class or Jiu Jitsu class or a striking class, which is based towards a fight team. Is always going to be tough. Like you're always going to burn in like. 1,500 calories easily like you know it's always like you're you're like starts off kind of like you're light drilling and then you're like doing rounds and rounds and rounds like so it's kind of I, I I would train Monday to to Saturday take Sunday off um but then Saturday then would be kind of a, a pullback day where I would do one tough tough session in the morning and then kind of rest then for the night and then rest all day Sunday that's kind of what I've done now for the last kind of since January um, obviously with COVID it's kind of it's more just kind of like more stuff with Liam than an actual group session um, but yeah I kind of I've, I kind of found that worked well for me and obviously when gyms open back fully and we go back to regular life I can test that to a you know properly yeah but I believe that's kind of the way my body reacts like I kind of do my, my tougher kind of weightlifting sessions in the, in the start of the week so then I have more time to recover throughout the week and all that like and with um with Greg, my training coach, we kind of have everything worked out well, and then with Liam, then we've everything worked out well as well. So, I kind of have my kind of perfect routine right now, like, and it's, it's working well enough for me right now. Yeah. And uh, so, when you when you do go back to Bellator, who who would you like your first fight in Bellator to be? They have a lot of decent heavyweights at the moment. Um, um like anybody have your eye on? Bellator's Bellator's like heavyweight and heavyweight divisions, I think are are incredible. Like like. Their lower weight classes are class well, like, but like I think their heavyweights and heavyweights are better than most organizations. Like they have some absolute stars there. Obviously, I've called out James Haskell and and uh, Jack Swagger enough on social media that like that's probably the fight I want. I'd love to fight. I love if my first fight was against Jack Swagger. I realistically don't think they'll ever put me against uh, Haskell. I think they'll, they'll they'll keep him safe and away from me, and they'll give him other fighters, not me. But uh, Jack, is he still um, going to do MMA? Or what's the story with him? Is he still, he's still signed? He's still signed, but kind of he does everything like so. He kind of he's a DJ and he, he wrote a book. And I don't think he'll fight. I think he kind of it was kind of like a, a kind of publicity thing for him, and he was going to have a fight, and that was going to be it. Yeah. Right now, I don't know if he'll do it. Uh, Jack Swagger will be kind of the the fight I want. I think that I think he's not. He I don't think he deserves to be an MMA. And like he's he's three fights in right now, and the guys he's fought aren't like aren't to the level I am at. Um. Definitely him to break me into the to kind of into Bellator, and then there's some tough, tough guys there like um like Tyrell Fortune. He's fighting soon off. He's an absolute job. He's a really good fighter. There's um Steve uh, Steve Mowry. He's a really, really, really good fighter as well. He'd be a tough fight. I'd love to fight him. And then you have like the all the old school fighters like Matt Matrone, Czech Congo, you know Roy Nelson. You know, fighting those guys would be incredible. And then obviously I want to fight Bader as well because Bader's the champion. But by the time I get to top top five, he might not be there anymore. And it's whoever the champion is then at that point. Like, but Bader will be a nice fight as well. But obviously first fight in Bellator, hopefully this year. I would love it to be um, Jack Swagger. I think I just I'd love to hit him. I just I don't like his face, <laughs> and I just love to hit him. <laughs> Jack Swagger. Yeah. He's not going by Jack Swagger at the moment, is he? I can't think uh, of what's his name. It. Is, it's Jake Hager's name. Oh, yeah, yes, 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 Jack Swagger. Jack Swagger, yeah, yeah. that's that's what he was. That's that's what I'd call him. Don't recognize him as is that's the guy from the wrestling, yeah. you know, Jack Swagger. Yeah, uh, I suppose before we kind of started recording, we kind of mentioned the like Steve Miocic and Francis Ngannou at the weekend. It's kind of fitting. It's the heavyweight division. Uh, your division. Uh, who who have you got for that one? Um, I'm 
Yeah, I think Stipe is going to win. I think it's going to be an exact uh, copy of the first fight. I think uh, Naganu couldn't have done that much to like. He got beaten by a he got beaten by a wrestler and he got beaten by someone who outskilled him the first time. And I don't think in the time frame he's had, um, had he has improved those skills. Um, like in fights he's fought before, after Stipe, you haven't seen him do that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's still been the same. Him swinging for the for like head up swinging and knocking people out. He is an unbelievable knockout artist, but I don't think he has the skills to beat Stipe. I think Stipe just has it up on him. I think Stipe will put him against the fence, tire him out, put him in the deep waters, and then once he's in deep waters, then he can't strike because he doesn't have the conditioning to. Once he's been put against the cage and have to fight and put on the floor and fight, he won't have the power to swing for those big shots. And that's kind of his, once that's out, he he's kind of he's not a threat anymore. Uh, obviously, he come out and catch Stipe really early and knock him out. But I just don't see that happening because I, I think Stipe is more intelligent fighter and just the better fighter, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I like I like Stipe as a fighter. I think I think he needs to go for the takedown even a bit earlier than the last time. Like last time, I think he stood for the first couple of minutes of the first round yeah, and he, 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 he took waters, yeah, and he yeah, took yeah. a shot and he even landed a couple of shots himself and maybe had Ngannou rocked. But I think if I'm here, just like get just get straight in trying to tire him out because um because like he not like I'd have loved to have seen Ngannou against like a prime Cain Velasquez or a prime Junior De Santos yeah. like he got him on the back end and like obviously he had the power yeah. to just take him out and their chins maybe aren't the best at this stage but uh, but yeah I think I think Stipe should just get in for the takedown early and, and start like you said start yeah, wearing, you, can't, start you, you can't shoot too early then because then it happens against it happened against um, Curtis Blades and um, Derek Lewis where yeah. Blades was, was was just he wanted to take that he wanted to shoot for it but Curtis knew that was all he was, or um, Derek Lewis knew that all he was going to do and Derek Lewis just hit him on the way in and knocked him out. Like you have to be careful of shooting for takedown that the person doesn't know you're shooting for takedown. So like the whole fact that everyone knows Stipe is going to shoot, he has to hide that. So he has to like put him against the fence and he has to make it, he has to make it dirty so that that Naganu's brain goes, oh, I'm fighting here, here. I can't defend takedown. You can't, you can't just shoot for takedown because you took a cop with a fly knee or the guy with an uppercut straight up. Like so, he has to, he has to hide the takedown well and he has to put, him, I think he has to put him against the fence first. And then look to sweep me into the fence. That's a safer place for him to put to take him down. And he can fully pacify him against the cage. Like, yeah, it's true as well because everybody's seen Nganu has a has a, a fierce uppercut on him. You know, yeah, asking over him. Fierce everything you, know, him. you know, if you're asking over him about the uppercut. Um, yeah, I suppose one more uh, question before we kind of finish up. If you had to pick uh, a favorite fighter to watch, uh, who would you pick? Um. I'm not huge on, on actually like or rewatching fights and all that, but uh, right now it's it's George St. Pierre. I'm kind of the way like, George has always been kind of like the top fighter, but now kind of I'm kind of really looking into the way he took he took guys down because he took guys down with like not damaging himself and all that. Like and especially in MMA, it's all about longevity. It's all about how long he can last. I think he did it perfectly. Like I think the way he shot for takedowns was beautifully, and he was a nice guy too. Uh, I think he him right now is kind of like he's my top kind of athlete. And a top fire watch as well, like would definitely George Saint Pierre. Yeah, yeah, I, I love GSP. I thought that like one of my favorite fights of, of him is with, is him against Frank Trigg. Like the the way he just took him down and the way he took the back, like he was like just beside him with the kind of body lock and he jumped on and got the hooks in and ah, oh, like it was just an unbelievable yeah. performance. I thought, yeah, I love I love watching beautiful, GSP. It's beautiful to watch him, like because he he like mixes his striking perfectly with the rest and like you know a lot. It's just. I think it's perfect. I think he has, he was the epitome of a mixed martial arts fighter because he had everything. He had the wrestling, he had the jiu-jitsu with the strike injury, he kind of showed everything, John. He wasn't just, he wasn't just showing a boxing style or a karate style. He was kind of showing all of it. He was showing the kicks. He was showing, the I, I, he, just, he showed what a mixed martial arts should have been like and I think it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you made an important point about him there as well as is, is, uh, a, a nice guy. You know, mm, as well. Definitely nice guy. I, I loved when he was on um, the Ultimate Fighter and he was again, he was up against um, uh, Czech Congo, or not Czech Congo, uh, Josh Koscheck. And Josh was just trying to annoy him the whole time and just trying to push pranks on him. And George was kind of like, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of like, uh, you're just like, you just put a dickhead against a nice guy. Like, you could literally see him being nicer and nicer the whole time. Like. Yeah. Uh, killing him with the cheese, I suppose, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think um, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks, man, for coming on. Perfect. Thanks I, uh, very much for having me. I uh, really appreciate it. Enjoy hearing your story. And um, best of luck with your fight coming up in uh, in uh, Battle Arena. And uh, hopefully, it won't be too long before then you get to go on and fight for Bellator. Yeah, <laughs> me and you, me and you both. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. Cheers. Take care, man. All the best. Thank you very much. Nice one. <laughs>